Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you for the great cloud of witnesses that has surrounded us, a community of faith, generation upon generation upon generation. Thank you for the legacy that we're a part of, a great spiritual heritage. And for those individuals who laid that foundation, and for those individuals who still cheer us on. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It's called the Twelfth Man Concept. The Twelfth Man. The Twelfth Man is a term commonly used to describe fans within a stadium during football games. Because the rules require that you can only have 11 players on a football team on the playing field at one time, whether on offense or defense. There is an understanding that the crowd is that 12th man. That legend came out of Texas A&M, the Aggies, as they were facing off in 1922 with Center College, the defending champions. And what happened was, in the face-off, Texas A&M players kept getting injured. They had to go deeper and deeper into the ranks of the team. Late into the game, they were so desperate that there was one player that had not dressed out, but he was on the team. He happened to be in the press box up in the stadium. And the coach said, we need him. And with that, with great pride, being probably fourth, fifth, or sixth string on the team, he dressed out as he ascended down the steps, went into the locker room, and was ready to go. He never played that day, but he was willing. He's quoted as saying, I wish I could say that I went in, and I wish I could say I ran a touchdown into the end zone, but I did not. I simply stood by in case my team needed me. You know, there's nothing like home field or home court advantage. It really is that 12th member of the team. Uh, There is great spirit that takes place. Uh, We've seen it at a nearby stadium for Georgia Southern. We've seen it up in Athens. We've seen it in our high schools where a whole game can change with the enthusiasm of the crowd. Well, today I want to suggest to you that there is a great cloud of witnesses all around you. Uh, In fact, they've been a part of your life, if you would envision, an athletic facility, and you're on the field, and in the stands are many. In fact, in Hebrews, Paul talks about that. The author of Hebrews speaks to this venue, if you would, and this great gathering of people. He calls them witnesses, disciples of Christ. He says, let us lay aside every encumbrance as we run the race with endurance, fixing our eyes on Jesus. But it's that opening line. 
that I want to talk about today that seems apropos. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud and crowd of witnesses, that number in the stands of our lives, it's an appropriate tax for All Saints' Day For All Saints Day is a recognition of that hall of faith, if you would. In fact, the writer of Hebrews mentions that in chapter 11. He says, we give thanks for the men and women who had great faith that preceded us. For Abraham, for Moses, uh, for Noah, he goes all the way back, and he names some of the prophets who stepped forward in faith. And I want to suggest to you that that cloud of witnesses really embodies two groups. One, all those pioneers who blazed the way for us, who cleared the path and set the stage for us to find Christ, to be encouraged and nurtured in our faith, and now have moved on to spend eternity in the presence of a living God. And then I want to suggest to you that there are those who maybe, well, they're still living. All these veterans cheering us on, those that are still a part of our lives. Maybe we've moved from a community or a certain setting, but they had a, an investment in us and they still cheer us on today. And so both categories give us encouragement. They call them saints. Saints simply means those who exemplified a life of Christ before us. Not only in word, but in deed. I think about those investors who gave of themselves to us early on who are no longer on this earth. I want you to think about those persons in your life, but let's go back. You know, the hall of faith is mentioned in Hebrews, and those names are mentioned in a litany, in a list. And then we can refer to the New Testament and look and give thanks for the the men and women of God who gave of themselves in that early church. I, I think of Paul the Apostle and how he had a radical conversion and and how he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament for us to learn from today. And James, who said, yes, faith is important, but faith without works is dead. A balanced teaching. And then church history. Martin Luther, grateful for him in that he had his little poster party. He stuck a poster up on the door of the church and said, these are some issues that I think we need to work through because grace is essential. That our salvation is based in faith and not in works, although works is a fruit of our salvation, the root is faith. And John Wesley, I'm grateful for him, a pioneer of the movement called Methodism. And I really believe that he understood that that notion of dualism where in our spirituality we have spiritual holiness, where we're being transformed. 
and a social holiness where we reach our hand to those in need and the balance of those two. And he brought something experiential to our faith. And that was really in his own experience when he said, my heart was strangely warmed because I knew that Christ had died for me and even me. And so we're a warm-hearted people because we have a strong faith that was laid in a foundation by men and women of old. But you know, I'm grateful for John Wesley, but I'm really grateful for Susanna, his mother, who would spend time with him every week and she would pray with him. She left with him a spiritual passion that he would carry on and that his brother Charles would carry on in the singing of many of our hymns today. But what about in your life? What about those men and women who have gone on to spend eternity with the Lord, but you have a holy remembrance of them? I think about the fellow who presided over the ceremony for for Delia and myself in our wedding. He has died, but what a wonderful man of prayer he was. And my mother, and while she could not articulate great theological truths, she lived for Christ, and in her nurture and care of me, and her willingness to get me to the church, she made a difference. She helped to plant seeds that I could never get away from. Who are the saints for you? You know, I even think of those, those veterans, those disciples of Christ, those followers of Jesus that have been a part of the chapters of my life in Kentucky and here in South Georgia. I think about laypersons who taught me much in their wisdom. And some of you continue to offer good things in terms of wisdom. I think of a woman who prays for me. And she says, every day I pray for you, Pastor. Someone in this church. And an older couple in the church who uh, invest in me and they, uh, they ask me how I'm doing and they, they say, keep going and, and, and we can do it together. And they're in the stands, you know. It makes a difference. That 12th man, that encourager, that great cloud of witnesses that stands on our behalf, that prays and intercedes, and cheers us on. You know, I think about uh, the story by Tony Campolo and how he said uh, he was on a, a high school basketball team and the coach would say, you know, you guys are really good. He'd say it to the guys on the bench. The team on the floor that was representing them was falling behind. And, and during the first half, he would say, you know, if you guys were in there, we'd be whipping on these boys. If you guys were in there, we'd be doing all right. Well, they listened to this and listened to this and listened to this. During the first part of the second half, he said, you know, we're falling behind. We keep falling behind. If you guys were in there, we'd be ahead. He kept repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. Finally, finally one of them got the guts to raise his hand and he said, Coach, if you really believe it's true, put us in. And he said, Okay. And with that, he switched the entire lineup. And that second string annihilated the opponent. We need those kinds of folks in our lives. And let me say this. You need to be that kind of person to those around you. 
the saints that cheer us on. Well, the last part of that is important. Uh, that whole little part of Scripture that, that Damon read, because in it it says, you know, let go of the things that entangle you. Run with endurance. And then finally it says, and fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. You see, that's what the saints of old did for us. They, they were ones who had fixed their eyes on living for Christ and following the example of Jesus Christ and modeling those things and that kind of sacrifice and compassion. And now we have that opportunity. And so as we share in communion together, we celebrate that we're a people of hope and joy, that even in death, there was one who entered into death, who drank a bitter cup. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He defeated death and rose from the dead. That's the kind of hope, that's the kind of new life that those loved ones that we have cared about for so long who have died have now entered into new life in a resurrection with Christ. And so we have that hope as we share in these elements in this holy mystery. I give thanks today for that great cloud of witnesses that gave of themselves for me and for that one who gave his life for me, my Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to say to you all are welcome to receive communion today. This is an open communion table. It matters not if you're a member of this church. We simply ask you to celebrate a couple of things. One, those who went before you who paved the way for your faith today. And the other is to celebrate the grace that God offers you through His death and resurrection. I want to invite you to turn to page 12. As you're turning to page 12, we're going to enter into a time of responsive reading. The other is, a little later in the service, you'll be ushered down from the back to the front. We'll be doing uh, doing kneeling today. We'll kneel together and then there'll be a dismissal. The ushers will guide you at that appropriate time. If you'll respond in the appropriate places. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. We're going to share together in the great thanksgiving on page 13, if you'll respond. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you. Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we join and we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of His suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which He gave Himself up for us, He took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. (coughs) And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice, in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by His blood, and by Your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at His heavenly banquet. Through Your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and Your Holy Church, all honor and glory is Yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 